Welcome back to Inconceivable Media, everyone. I'm Cam. And I'm Miles. And today we're going to continue Undone. We're going to be covering episodes 3, 4, and 5, which is the... I view it as the second arc, where Alma kind of figures out what the heck it is that she's going to be doing, or what Ghost Dad wants her to do. So, we start with episode 3, where we open up with Alma waking up outside her house. I think before we start that, Cameron, we gotta ask ourselves a very important question. What's that? Are we unraveling this, or are we putting it back together? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure we are trying to put it back together. Yes, I know what you're referring to, Miles. <laughs> the whole point is that at this point, she kind of has already unraveled. And so now she's trying to put herself back together, which is, again, like the focus point of this episode. Like, so she wakes up outside her house and is like, what's going on? What the heck is happening? And it seems to be whenever her dad shows up, she's just like, I just keep showing up in random places. So he gives her the handheld blackjack game, which, of course, is the name of the episode. And the whole point of that is so that it will ground her in the physical plane. So with that in mind, are there any big things that jump out to you immediately for this specific episode? Well... The whole idea of grounding is actually a big thing that sticks out to me because I know both you and I having ADHD, mm -hmm. we actually use that same sort of technique, not for the reasons she does, mm -hmm. but I know like I use, uh, I have uh, Sudoku and Mahjong tiles on my phone and uh, I can play those games when I'm feeling like I need to distract myself from what I'm doing so I can get back on task, you know, take sort of like a quick break and let the structure of my mind break down so I can rebuild it and get back on the task at hand. Oh, okay. So that's like me when I play Minesweeper, right? Yeah, that, just something that's a perfect to, example, yes. Just something to just kind of disassociate almost in a way to just kind of flush things out and then get back to what you were doing, right? That's exactly it. Yeah, cool. So I do think that that was a really cool introduction for the idea for it. Um, it does make me kind of question about uh, how the director made this show. Mm -hmm. If he kind of gave uh, schizophrenia a few of the same traits as ADHD. Whoa. Or is this an actual thing? Like I, That's one thing that I'm kind of curious about, and I kind of want to do some research and figure out. I feel that because of the fact that schizophrenia is like psychosis-based, that there's probably some grounding. <laughs> In reality of this, of course, it's probably something that gets, uh, I, I was about to say prescribed, but I think that's the wrong word, that is suggested to you by a doctor, a psychologist, psychiatrist, a counselor, a therapist, someone that says, hey, you should give this a try to see if this helps you have fewer episodes, as an example, because like ADHD... It's a psychosis thing as well, just not on the same level as schizophrenia. As near as I can tell, I don't, I have never seen you talk to random, you know, nothings in the corner of the room, but I'm not around you all the time. Well, if I do, I swear they're there. <laughs> I'm sure you do swear they're there. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, uh, this does actually remind me of one thing I saw online um, through my usual browsing of Imgur. 
there was actually times where they were looking into using music to help people who have Alzheimer's. And they found that if they play the music that uh, the person would listen to when they were younger, mm-hmm. it would actually sort of allow them to reground themselves, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So there's got to mm-hmm. be something along that line. Um, perhaps it's just something that they found that was very important to them. So I'm sure if uh, we had somebody who is super religious mm-hmm. and you read them their text, they would probably calm down and ground themselves again. Right. You find their 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 favorite passages from the Bible or uh, the Torah, you know, Quran, any of those, right? Yeah. The Sanskrits, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Necronomicon, you know, those. Yeah, things. <laughs> exactly. Even go reading some of some sayings from Confucius or something. Yeah. Ex- uh, exactly. Yes. The famous man with baseball all wrong, man with three balls, no walk. Four balls. Four balls it's yes. four balls. Man with four balls, no walk. <laughs> <laughs> but to uh, kind of get back to what we were talking about with Alma and um, just kind of sort of figuring out what her deal is. Now that we're three episodes into uh, this, the show, um, are are you getting a clearer picture of what she's all about? Like, especially when it comes to what is happening to her? Yes. Um it's something that I do want to talk about, but I don't want to say all of it here. Uh, so I'll just say like a quick little spurt about it. The way I see this story is uh, one of my favorite ways of doing a media. Mm-hmm. And that is through the uh, narration of an unreliable narrator. Oh, And I'm, I'm loving it because of that. I didn't um, realize that was one of your favorite... Uh ways that you liked your stories being told oh i i love it so much my favorite episode in uh in battlefield 5 single player Mm. was the uh one where you're playing the pilot Mm, because it's all told from the perspective of a man who lies so how much of that is the truth and how much of it is a lie and he even says it right at the end of it he's like you know this is my story. Do you want to believe it or not? Because I'm a liar. So isn't that Battlefield One, not Battlefield Five? Oh yes. Yeah, pretty sure that. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's Battlefield guy, One. Yeah, it's yes. Battlefield One. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I do know which one you're talking about, though, and then that's why all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, wrong game. I like that. I like that story too. Yes. So another game that I love, and I think we're gonna have to review in this one. Uh, it's actually part of. Our, one of our favorites, Payday 2, uh, one of the characters in it, his name is Jacket. Oh, is He's that... the guy who doesn't talk. He's got the uh, He's tape got the recording. tape recorder, yeah. You know, the, the, put the your person weapons who, down. He's like from, uh, what the heck is uh, the name of the game that he's uh, from? It's called Hotline Miami. That's the one. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, Hotline Miami is about a sort of... Uh, well, it's not sort of. It's definitely a fictional world where <laughs> Russia actually wins the Cold War. They managed to actually heavily influence the Western world, mm-hmm. kind of dominating, at least for sure, the Western coast of the USA. And in doing so, they actually have uh, the Russian mafia ends up basically running most of the Western coast, including San Francisco. and. And, uh, you know, the cities along the coast like that. Mm-hmm. So 
in the game you play a character who's kind of fighting for an organization known as 50 Patriots, I think is what it was called. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they're actually trying to get rid of the Russians and push them out. Mm -hmm. Makes sense with a name 50 Patriots. Yes. So it's a beautiful game and it, it all takes place with unreliable narrators, both versions of the game, the Hotline Miami and Hotline Miami 2. And it is such a train wreck that like you have to go through, watch it, and be like, oh my god, I can't understand anything that's happening right now because of, of how they, uh, they they section out the game. And they, mm-hmm. put, they put part A over on section 4 and they put uh, C over in uh, 2 and everything is all mixed up. And then when you watch it all and you're like, this is so confusing. And then you watch through somebody who takes the events and lays them out on a chronological timeline showing you what is real and what isn't. It blows your mind. It is so good. And I love that in in uh, my media. Now, getting back to um, Undone. I mean, the reason why I ask um, what you were thinking is because this was around the time, the first time I watched through the show, that I started sitting there going, now wait a second, what is actually happening with Alma? And what is, like, you know, what is really, really happening? And what's all happening in her head, you know? Uh, All of a sudden, she's in front of the kids and she's naked. And she's like, how the heck, how did this happen? And then it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm working with you in a dream state now. Oh, this is a dream. Oh, thank goodness. Because otherwise, you know, this is kind of horrifying. And you're like, wait. Cameron, I think you're jumping here. Am that I? happened in season four. Or in episode four. Oh, shoot. You're right. I'm sorry. You got to back up and roll oh, back. Oh, no. You're right. I jumped <laughs> I jumped the gun into the wrong episode. Ah, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to episode three. You know, sort of like just what her dad said. You know, we'll go back to Thursday. You go back to Thursday because you found a Thai place that you really liked. Oh, Oh, that was a restaurant. I kind of thought he was talking about finding like a menswear store, like a suit and tie place. But a restaurant definitely makes more sense. What? Uh, Wait, so you heard Thai place that you really liked and you thought... What? Like like Thai, like a tie that you're wearing. (laughs) How did you... I don't... What? Because they they were talking about the wedding and such. (laughs) Okay. I... uh, What? I'm just, man, I'm giving you that look like that guy in the comic with like the, the, the question marks over his head. I'm just, what? Come on, man. What they're talking about me. They're, they're talking about weddings. Of course, I'm going to think about suit but and tie. Type... Uh, you know, we, we need to, oh, God. We need to move on because, oh, man, this is just, this is breaking my brain for all the wrong reasons. Okay, let's go back into talking about things that actually happened in episode three, like the fact that, you know, Sam is back in, and that means that all, like, the pictures and the sofa and everything are back in the house too, but everything's wrong. Or or is it? Yeah, um, that that's kind of because, like, Alma broke up with Sam, right? Yeah. Yeah. We so, we know that. We saw that. <laughs> we saw that. And now now he's back in her house, living with her and everything, because honestly, I'm gonna say he wants to. But well, on I mean, top of course of that, he wants to. <laughs> but on top of that, he was probably asked to. I, I'm i I'm willing to think that her mom wanted her uh him in the picture because 
Uh, I guess he, she probably sees him as a bit of a, uh, a ground for her in the sense of keeping her in reality and keeping her from doing anything too, too stupid. I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I also feel that when it comes to her mom, there's other reasons why she wants Sam around, which is like that semblance of normal. Yeah, that's, that's definitely <laughs> part of it. You know, like she brings a date and she has a guy with him because, you know, that's, that's what uh, you do. That's what you do. That's what you do. Like, <laughs> I feel like I said this in the last episode. Oh, feel free to repeat it. <laughs> uh, you know, like, almost seems like the kind of girl who would bring a girl home to see her mom. Yeah. And her mom would be like, oh, that's fun. And then, like, kind of push and be like, okay, so when is this phase going to be over for you? Right. So... Again, it's the qualities of a wasp mom, and she yeah. she keeps she keeps showing them. And because she's a wasp mom, I think she had some influence on this. I would say it well, may not come up, but I'm still think it's there. It probably is because Becca is the one who keeps going. Why would Sam be coming to the wedding? Um, and Alma just keeps going. Well, why wouldn't he come to the wedding? You know, he's my boyfriend. He's like, oh, he's your boyfriend again. When did that happen? And so when Becca is acting that way, you definitely know she was not briefed on this. Exactly. Um, but of course, you know, it's that's not important. She doesn't need to know about that. Yeah, but at the same... She has to worry about her wedding, okay? okay Let her worry about the wedding. You're right, you're right. That's all Becca needs to worry about. But at the same time, Alma, like... Alma needs to know things like, yeah, it's cool. She's happy that Sam's back. But at the same time, like, you know, there's a there's a really big elephant that needs to be talked about. Sam's un there under false pretenses. Like he, he shouldn't be there, despite the fact that Alma is happy that he's there because Alma can't remember what she did. It's still not. I don't know. I don't think it's okay. Do you? From a standpoint where she has like a fragile memory, mm -hmm. I would say it's important that she's there or that Sam is there. Because if things change too quickly, that can make her feel really out of place and be very, that can make a, a, a real mountain out of a molehill. Okay. Mm -hmm. It could make her feel like, oh my god, I'm so far behind on what I'm supposed to know and do. How am I ever going to catch up? Whereas if Sam is there, and then eventually she remembers, oh yeah, we broke up. It could just be less impactful than being all like, oh hey, yeah, you know, we're not actually together. You broke up with me. <laughs> because, you know, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, Oh my god, what else did I do that I don't remember correctly? <laughs> right. So, I mean... Was I ever actually a preschool teacher? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you I mean, know, I'm still questioning that right now, but... <laughs> well, I mean, that's another thing that she, she does, you know, with getting back to the way her life was before the accident, right? So she goes back to school, and she's with the kids and everything, and she's like, yep, I've been gone for a while, and, you know, it's... A short time for me in a way, but it's a long time for you because you're all like five years old. But she is, it's interesting because she's acting the way she should be acting. Like she, the way she talks to the kids is no different 
pre-accident. But then all of a sudden, you know, a kid asks her if she has any scars. And then she all of a sudden is like, oh, yeah, sure. You want to see them? Just pulls her shirt up, which is. I don't know. I don't think that's appropriate. Well, like, what do you mean? I don't think that she should be showing off like her bra to the kids, you know, going all not quite full frontal here. But but it's like the bra is covering her privates like. It's not that big of a deal. Like, how many times in, like, junior high school and high school have you seen kids with... You know, I've seen teachers' bras, for that for that uh, matter of fact. Like, a lot of the time. I don't know if I've... Uh, mm, okay, I see your point, but at the same time, I'm also not sure I remember a teacher, again, just, like, pulling their shirt up and just being like, Oh, yeah, you know, take a look at this... Uh, Nice big scar that I've got here. Oh, yeah, I guess you get to see that I'm wearing fancy bra today. <laughs> this one's got lace. <laughs> you and I went to two very different schools here, Cameron. Despite the fact that we went to the same junior high. It's true. But it, and that's why I'm a little surprised because I, that happened in junior high quite a bit. So I... No, I shouldn't say quite a bit, but it definitely happened. Like, I can recall a few instances. With your teachers? Yeah. Not that big of a deal. Okay. I feel like taking it and making things taboo, it, it just kind of ends up hurting society more. Fair enough. It's sort of like it's sort of like when people say the term, when people use the term retarded. Like, I, as somebody in the trade industry, talk about it then when it starts. Oh, this is retarded. I'm not saying that it's mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's very slow. It's not moving the speed it should be. Or, like, if you have engines that you retard them by, you know, physically... Adjusting a choke. Yes. Or mm -hmm. uh, using retar engine retard brakes. Or, that's, um, that's what I was gears. trying to think of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you gear down to uh, slow your vehicle down, right. instead of using your brakes, that's called an engine retard. Yep. Um, yep. Engine retard braking. Yep. Because you're not actually using your brakes... You're actually using the engine to slow down your, your momentum. Mm, yeah, right. For whatever reason, as we're talking about this, it reminded me of the bit in this episode where her dad is just like, just think about it, you know, as if you're driving stick shift, you know? You are actually the one who's in control of what you're doing with your abilities, as opposed to when you're automatic, you know, you're doing it, really, but the car is driving you less than you're driving the car. And I'm just sitting there going... Ah yes, the the dad explanation for how to, how why stick shift is better than automatic. Of course, of course. And <laughs> you of course are the she, one who's driving the car. And of course, she says, "Well, I don't know. I don't drive either." <laughs> well, she drives, but she wasn't oh, yeah. taught. She wasn't taught because automatic. he was dead, or she wasn't taught. She wasn't taught manual. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's well, and of course he's like, "Who? Who? What do you mean? No one taught you." It's like, "Who was going to teach me? You? You're dead." Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, going back a little bit first to the kids, um, there's a few things uh, that I kind of like about this episode um, because of what it tells us about Alma as a person. Well, I mean, there's a few things we should probably get to first, which is how she reacts when she has that premonition of one of the kids drowning. Because I remember when we were watching this, you had like a big reaction to 
uh, how she reacts when she talks to the parents. Yeah, and that was like a big red flag for uh, for her boss friend. Well, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't do anything because he was right there. Like, I get it, but and it's pretty it's, graphic it's in a way. Very too. graphic. Like that's that right there. Like if they didn't have a PG-16 rating, like that right there should have gave it to them. But carrying on, uh, she has this premonition and she sees the parents and she knows she has to do something to stop that from happening. So she immediately runs up, grabs the one parent's arm and is like, you have to get him into swimming lessons. You have to get him into swimming lessons. And uh, she does it like so forcefully. And like the only way to describe that is like rolling a natural one in your persuasion check. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she could have just like walked up or slid beside him like... Uh, like Scott Pilgrim meeting Ramona Flowers for the first time, crushed oh cup in hand, and like talk to them normally. Like that wasn't a one. That was not a one. It was close. It was probably a three. But uh, what she did was absolutely a one. Like your kid's gonna drown. Your kid's gonna drown. This is like okay. Uh, we'll 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 look into that. Yeah, and then she's uh, like, thanks. oh, maybe maybe get him into swimming lessons. What she should have just done was been like, you know, he looks like the kind of kid that would really like swimming. So mm. maybe put him in some lessons so that way he's prepared for what is going to come. But one of the interesting things that I feel that that also demonstrates, and of course this is something that, again, is talked about in the episode because I can't remember if it was before this or after this, but her dad talks to her about the reason why he's choosing her to do this is because she cares about people. And he has the anecdote about when she was a kid and they got a, a call from the school about how she wasn't wearing her uniform because she kept giving her gym shorts to another girl who it turns out had bladder issues. And so she was just like, oh, you wet yourself. Well, here's a dry pair of shorts. And of course, Alma's like, I probably just didn't like gym. And, you know, dad's like, no, you genuinely care about people, which I think really goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the first episode, where it's like, why is she uh, an early educator? Why is she working with kids? And I think it's because she does genuinely care. And who better to start with than kids? I mean, I don't know. Maybe she could also, if she wants to care for vulnerable people, she can always go and work at a like uh, assisted living homes too. That's true. Same with like, uh, I don't want to call them special needs, but like serious uh, medical needs, like uh, or serious uh, psychological needs, things like uh, high Alzheimer's or like Tourette's that are really really oh, bad. Oh yeah. Or like psychosis and other things like that. I actually mm. know a, a couple people, one girl in particular I play D&D &D with, she was actually in that field. And like you could tell from her, it is so emotionally draining dealing with them. Maybe Alma thought about that, but she just realized she couldn't handle that, especially with her attitude. So she <laughs> decided to go over to, uh, to you know, the, the younger kids and that, because on top of being able to, you know, work with people... And they might deliver some emotional baggage to you, or they give you emotional baggage. But it's, but it's not, not the same. Be, it's not the same, and it's not like they totally intend to, like a lot of people with these like heavy mental disorders could do. 
I think we've kind of covered everything that we need to as far as episode three goes. So now let's move on to episode four, where we're focusing on another thing, it would appear, because this one is all about moving keys or not moving keys or not not moving them. I don't know. There's a big focus point on keys this episode. Yes, but we're not listening to the black keys. No, we're not. Okay. Okay. Just want to be on that same page. Yeah, I almost feel like the the point to the of the keys is, you know, being a focus for her powers, sort of like wands in Harry Potter. I don't think that's how wands work in Harry Potter, Miles. Like, well, they use them as like a focus for their energy, right? Okay, so you've got the wand, and the wand chooses the wizard, and all that crap. I I clearly read and watched way more Harry Potter than you did. <laughs> um. Like, the whole thing with them is that you have the wand, and you have that from the start, and that is, like, the way that you cast spells. But then as you get more advanced, you don't need the wand to cast spells anymore. You do need them for casting really powerful spells, but you don't need them for just, you know, doing random things around the house and things like that. But also, that's not the point of the keys! (laughs) The point is that the keys are a thing that she can focus on while she's trying to figure out how to move back and forwards in time. And the keys are moving, except they're not moving. They're moving because someone comes and picks them up. So the keys have nothing to do with her power. Yeah, they do. They're they're focused. This is totally like the ones for Harry Potter. You don't you remember that whole section in the mo- one movie where they're like, you got to do the flicks right. You got to do the flicks right. Okay. And then, and then Hermione's all like, it's not Leviosa, it's Leviosa. Ugh. Okay. I hate that movie. I hate that movie and show so much. Like, okay. seriously, they call him the boy wizard. He's not a wizard. He's a rogue. What? Think about it, Cameron. Think about it. I'm trying to... His parents are dead. What the hell rogue. does that have to do with rogues? Because rogues are all orphans. Okay, sure. Now, well, is this because of the of fact it, that he has a, the invisibility cloak? Oh, oh, it goes deeper than that, Cameron. Okay. Think about it. First three movies. Uh-huh. What does he do throughout the majority of them? Uh, he goes out when he's not supposed to, and he's sneaking. Oh. How, how does he kill the basilisk? Does he use magic? He stabs, uh, right, he stabs it with the sword. Yeah. And, so, and then he even defeats the big bad with a tooth from the basilisk as well. Exactly. You see, he's not a wizard. Sure, he can do minor cantrips, but that's because he's taken the magic, in, or not the magic initiate, the uh, arcane trickster feat uh, <laughs> archetype. He's clearly a rogue for like the first three movies and books. Once we get to like the fourth, he's actually starting to take levels in wizard. In, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say wizard. Yeah, he he's really not much of a spellcaster as the like he really does not do as much spellcasting as anyone else. And he's using the invisibility cloak. He uses the polymorph potions and that. That's not wizard work, my friend. You're right. That's all the work of a rogue. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only person have... that I would consider a true wizard, Hermione, in that is Hermione because she's the only one who has the nose in the books. And she's pushing her abilities through the way a wizard normally would. 
And she is the one who is always spell casting. She is literally the one who solves using, their problems with spells. And using uh like high powered magical items, like that one that allows him to turn back time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what does this make Ron then? Oh, he's clearly a fighter mage. Or a fighter sorcerer. So he's the tank. Yes, because he does take a lot of punishment. And he does distract a lot. He keeps that attention on him, probably because of the red hair. And, uh, I mean, he comes from a family of, like, what, 12 people? Of course he's going to get hit a lot. Right. He's the youngest boy. He's going to get beat up a lot. Yep. He, well, yeah, right, because he's the youngest, because the only girl that they have in the family is also the youngest. So, of course, she's going to get coddled and she's going to, you know, be treated like a princess because she's the youngest and she's the only daughter. Man, I feel bad for her boyfriends. So you feel bad for Harry then? Oh, okay. Well, in that case, like, is that because they, cause they get married? Is... Yeah, Ginny and no, no, Harry no, 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 get no. First, married. Like, I didn't realize that. Um, <laughs> but like before that, did she have boyfriends before that? I believe so. Um, I feel bad for them because they have to deal with like what is it, ten brothers? Uh, I don't think it's that many, but yes, it is a lot of brothers. Yeah, so there's a lot of probably butt kicking. You know, <laughs> you're messing with our sister. We're gonna mess with you. I know she... But, like, Harry Potter is the only person that they would actually accept to be her, her boyfriend, <laughs> husband, or whatever. Because... Because he's Harry Potter? Because he's famous. Um, we should... Oh, yeah. We, should, we need to get back to... We need to ground reground ourselves with Undone. You know, just kind of, like, get back to using the, the Blackjack book. Oh, right, yes. Because this episode is where she goes and she sees a psychiatrist. And, of course... She still has the blackjack game with her because that is how she's able to actually function on the physical plane. But there's something interesting that I uh, that I felt when it came to the scene with the psychiatrist is that, number one, it was kind of short. I really feel that there was more that we could have covered with the psychiatrist. And I also feel that Alma could have been more open with the psychiatrist. Like, she's giving all these big grand ideas and whatnot and the psychiatrist is like mm -hmm, yes these are really nice big concepts that we could explore but i noticed that you've got that blackjack game there you i you know often people that are suffering from ptsd will use items to create distance so that they don't have to address their problems and almost just like sure that's that's an explanation yeah i guess so but the reason why she's using it is the opposite. Her dad told her to do that so that she wouldn't have that distance between people. So that she would be able to, like, actually connect. So I don't understand why she didn't respond back to the psychiatrist and say, or this could be the reason why I'm using the game. So... Your terminology is a little bit off here. Okay. And it's kind of it's kind of funny for me to say it. Oh, okay. Because it's not that it allows her to be able to connect with other people. She's using it so that way she can keep her timeline in order. Mm, and that allows right. her to be able to communicate with, uh, you know, to, to just to interact with and people. interact with people yeah. properly. Because... 
what she has is like with us with ADHD mm-hmm. in the sense of like when we don't have our meds for a long time. I'm guilty of this a lot. Of uh, we're like I'll be standing there talking with somebody, and as I'm talking with them, my head just it's like it's like a fly fishing uh, throwing your fly your uh, your fly out or not fly your uh, fishing lure out. Yep. You take it and you go and you launch it all the way over there, and uh, you know it goes plop into the water. And then I say that uh, whatever mm-hmm. I'm talking about, whatever I I am. Yep. And I'm way ahead of everybody else. Everybody else. Mm-hmm. And because I'm way ahead of everybody else, they're like, that came out of nowhere. It's not true. It didn't come out of nowhere because I, in my head, have already esc- I've already went way forward in that conversation. Okay. Uh, in the sense of this story, she kind of has that issue where she's forward and then she's back and then she's over to the left, to the right. And she could just pop in at any time and be like, oh, yes, this is what I'm doing here now. I'm doing dishes. And then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I thought I was doing dishes. I guess I'm washing my hands because I'm in the bathroom now. Uh, did I use the bathroom? I don't know. Okay. Why am I in bed and my clothes are off? Um, strange. I don't get it. Oh. It's 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 what people think of ADHD when they're having a conversation with somebody who has who hasn't been able to develop the strategies to cope it's literally what people see us with ADHD when we're n- not with our coping mechanisms right it's sort of like the anti coping mechanism uh okay uh, fair enough and i understand that but my main point that i was trying to get across was why didn't alma push back against the single interpretation with a counter interpretation well cameron it's the same reason why uh we were taught something that we never ever would think about doing now and that is if we have an issue when we were young Mm -hmm. we were told that we should go to the police (laughs) and we are not allowed to do that anymore oh officers are not our friends in fact if an officer comes up to you, what's the first thing you do? Um, you well, shut not, the not fuck, run away. Okay. You shut the fuck up. You okay. don't say a word. I was like, and you, you know definitely what? don't run away. They're, they're going to ask you a question, and you say as little as possible. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, in some cases, people will even say, "Be the wit or be the person that responds to their questions with questions," <laughs> because. You don't know how they're going to use what you say against you. Right. That whole, now, am I being detained kind exactly. of stuff? Yeah. So it even says on our Edmonton police website, don't talk to the police. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as, well, I mean, what what's the worst thing that the psychiatrist could do? She already prescribes an antipsychotic to Alma. And then somehow her mom goes and fills that prescription for her. So I think that's really wrong that her mom is able to do that. But what's the worst that this psychiatrist could do? Hmm. I recommend that you need to uh, go to the funny farm where we laugh and play. And uh, the sun shines day and day. And we all wear our nice white tight suits. And our room's full of mattresses. Okay, you're right. I suppose that is the worst, but... I'm not saying that she has to tell her that she's seen visions of her dead dad. All I was saying is that she could say, you're right, 
that is possible that that's the reason why I'm using this game. Or it could be that I'm using this game so that I can actually have these conversations with you and not just be stuck in a void. I think you totally missed the whole point I had about the whole police officer thing. Oh, don't I, I... She's a minority, okay? She is... No, you have a very good point. She is Spanish and, it's and not... like Mexican. Yes. And this uh, psychiatrist is a person of authority. No, you're right. She does right. not want to deal with somebody who has authority. No, you're... Because nothing good comes from that. No, no, you, you, you're you right. You are right, Miles. And it's not that I don't get that. It's, again, that whole thing about I'm white, therefore I have that privilege where I don't see what's wrong with what what I suggested. Because if I did it, it probably would go fine. Exactly. <laughs> And I look white, so I can sometimes get away with that. And then slap them with the card of, hey, look, you're being racist when it doesn't go that way. <laughs> but, I mean, we can move away from that and I guess move on to going back to her mom um, with, like, everything that she does is so, just so underhanded like she fills the prescription which has its own can of worms of how the hell did she manage to do that yeah like, up here in canada like you have to have written permission of somebody to pick up your meds for you well you need to have like guardian proof of guardianship or things like that or you need to have proof that they're dependent and you need to have all of that stuff especially for getting controlled substances which an antipsychotic absolutely is controlled you're not just handing that over the counter. It's not like you're 60. You don't have a couple extra just loose from the hand. Yeah, right. You know, just in case. There might not be all 60 in there. Right. There probably <laughs> is. There's probably more, but just in case. Here's an extra, like, handful. <laughs> but, I mean, again, with her mom, the just, oh, it's just so sinister what she does. Because when she shows up, she brings the cookies and she's like, oh, I'm trying positive reinforcement. Father Miguel told me to give it a try. And it's like. Really? You're realizing that now that positive reinforcement was an option? What? You just went with the stick your whole life and never thought that you could use the carrot instead? Cameron, I think you're forgetting that uh, Camilla is the wasp mom. The this wasp moms of do. all... The, the queen of all wasp moms? No, no. This is what they do. Okay, fair this enough. This is their thing. They do everything they can to manipulate and control the situation and make you do what they want you to do. Because it's not about you. It's about them. Yep. I... Yeah. Again, when Alma wakes up in the uh, hospital after the accident, how could you do this to me? Yep. How could you do this to your sister mm -hmm. on her day where I'm going to be giving her away? Right. Like, and we haven't even gotten to the actual <laughs> wedding yet. The wedding is still weeks away. Exactly. It's For Camilla, this is all about her. And how this is going to affect her. So, of course, like, I don't, I don't know, Cameron. I don't think your mom was a wasp mom. Let's see if, let's see if we can meet this criteria. Uh, uh, okay. One. Was your mom all about tradition? Um uh, what what do we when you say tradition, what do you mean by tradition? Like for instance, oh I love this one. The men sit at the head of the table. 
You know, uh, the father sits at the one side, the oldest son sits at the other. Or, like, if it's the head of another household, they sit on the other side. Everybody else sits on the sides. We kind of did that sometimes, but generally, no. Okay, that's one thing Wasp parents do. That's like, a big thing. I so feel like that was... a huge emphasis on tradition. Like, the family has to be together on Christmas Day. Absolutely no exceptions. Doesn't matter if you have your own family. They have to be with me. On Christmas Day. Okay, that was definitely something that we did as kids, but then when we became adults, mom and dad were both just kind of like, we can't control you now because you're adults. Okay, so that's not Wasp Mom. That's very, like, opposite of Wasp Mom. Sure, when you're kids, they do that. That's not important. But I'm talking about, like, when it gets older. Right, okay. Two, did family issues have to stay in the family? I don't think so, because I was never told that I couldn't tell other people about things that were happening in the family. Okay, right there telling me that totally disproves that, okay? Because How so? Because if your family, if you're, if you, <laughs> let's say there is an issue like, uh, for instance, your sibling, mm-hmm. <laughs> she says, you know, I don't feel like I'm a girl. Your mom wasn't like, oh! <gasps> Say nothing about this to no one. We will solve this in the family. It's mm. okay. We're going to work through this. We'll get through this as a family. But nobody say anything to anybody else. This stays between us. Don't even tell your cousins. Don't tell your aunts and uncles, your grandma and grandpa. This is between us. We will deal with this. And then instead with the fact that everyone except my brother embraced it and said, okay, you are gender non-conforming, uh, and you are using they/them pronouns. Exactly. It will be hard, but we will do our best to accommodate. Now, again, totally blows that one out of the water. All right. <laughs> so we got tradition covered. We got uh, family issues stay within the family. You're not okay. allowed to bring that out. All right. Uh, the third one has to do with like upbringing. It's the. Uh, uh, when raised, uh-huh. were you always pushed to strive to be better and be the best in absolutely anything and everything? And I'm not talking about the things that you thought were important, the things that she thought were important. Like if she wanted you to be the best piano player, you had to sit and practice for hours and hours and hours getting that... Uh, that uh, sounded just right you get your table your uh Mm -hmm. your table's just right um it wasn't just like hey practice and you know you know what you're getting tired maybe take a break that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking like you're not doing it right do it again do it again this isn't right do it again nope my mom definitely didn't do that she absolutely at certain points when i expressed interest in doing something like if i wanted to be in scouts or if i wanted to doing band uh as an example or if i'm singing and the what she would say okay have you practiced have you done this no not today well then go do it and you know at least put in the 20 30 minutes because you said you're going to do this, so you better put in some work. I'm not asking you to stay in the house for four hours or whatever, but you said you're going to do this, 
So you need to put in a certain amount of effort. Again, that's not bad because it's things that you were interested in, not the things that she was. So no, I would say absolutely your mom was the opposite of a wasp mom. So what's the... Is there like a fourth thing for wasp moms? Or is there just the three? What was the fourth thing? Um, Oh yeah, appearance. Uh, You weren't allowed to like leave the house with clothing that had like a little bit of a rip or uh, like you had to wear a button-up shirt or like ties are mandatory and things like that like oh your hair isn't good enough you have to go you have to go get a haircut right now so the weird thing about that is that mom did instill a certain amount of you must have some self-respect if you're going to go out and if you are like going to go to something where you need to dress up. So if you're going to a wedding, for example, yeah, absolutely, you are wearing okay, your best. That is a special circumstance. Yes. I'm talking like day-to-day, like, hey, I'm going to run out to the corner store to like pick up some candy. Or I'm, all, running, I'm running over to Jordan's to go hang out. All I can think that I was told, like, wear pants and uh, leggings and pajama pants don't count. Those are not pants. Yes. Yeah. Again, that's <laughs> all four criteria of the wasp mom not met. So your mom was not a wasp mom. Well, okay. Now, my mom was <laughs> definitely on that line, but it is what it is. <laughs> I get it. I absolutely understand when you explain it, that it makes a whole lot of sense to me. But I, at the same time, I absolutely agree that I'm not picking up on it immediately because I'm not familiar in that way with it. I'm not intimately familiar with it because I didn't grow up with that kind of an influence. Again, I'm going to say this, Cameron. You won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, have, you have a great family, man. You have a great family. <laughs> I won that lottery. <laughs> I feel that there are other things that we can cover about episode four, but at the same time, we've been talking for a lot about things, and so we just kind of need to keep rolling here. So we're going to just go right into episode five then. Um, also because of the fact that they tie in really well. So with all of this stuff about Alma try not trying when it comes to the keys and everything and so suddenly she has that realization that sam lied to her or has been lying to her because she broke up with him and then the accident happened and then she's been in the hospital for two weeks and she didn't remember that because trauma's a thing they talked about it so now she's had that breakthrough but now everything that's happening in episode five is just her remembering or piecing together a whole bunch of things that aren't necessarily things that she knows. Like, one of the reasons why she is accepting of what Sam did is because she suddenly sees his upbringing and how how much it sucked for him. But how did she know that? Like, she didn't see that. So, I don't want to use the term educated guess. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it fits, but that's not... It doesn't feel totally right to me. Well, it's like an approximation, Um, right? Or a build. Yeah, it's like an an educated build. It's an educated world build. Because Mm. I'm sure he's mentioned or 
the way he's kind of commented when she was like, oh, when I was a kid, I used to do this. Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, like, I got beat up a lot because I was from India and I just came here. And I talked funny. Yeah. So she probably kind of could have built that whole situation and said, like, oh, yeah, now I understand you. Um, the brain copes in really strange ways for everybody. I mean, like, I've... What's that one study? That one that's like, uh, there are people out there that, one that, study. that can't, that don't have a voice in their head. Yeah, 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 right. Yes, like you and I, I know. both have yeah, that. Yeah, you and yeah. I both, like, mm-hmm. when we're thinking, there's a voice in our head that's yep. running saying, oh, no, you know, you got to... You got to take the fork. You got to wipe each uh, each each point on it. Yep. And you got to clean between them. And now you got to dip it in the water, swish it around, then you rinse it off and stick it over there. Mm-hmm. We have that voice in our head telling yep. us that. But there are people that do not hear yes. anything in their head. And it's just like if we are about to go do something like an interview, we play that interview out in our head beforehand mm-hmm. as a sort of like an exercise of what are we going to do? What are we going to say? There are people that don't have that. Mm-hmm. And to you and I, that's so strange. Well, and, and maybe kind of this scary is... too. It's dark, in my opinion. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, in this case, like we're on dimension three. Those people, I'm going to say, are like on dimension two. She's on dimension four. So, <laughs> especially with her seeming able to just reach back into the past and stuff like that. I mean. It ties into, I believe it was in episode three where her dad starts talking about effectively genetic memory, about how she knows things about his life and therefore she knows things about her grandmother's life and her mother and her great, and it just kind of goes back through the line because of genetic memory, but apparently she can only tap into it because... So what we're doing right now is crossing it over into the Ubisoft world through Assassin's Creed. <laughs> in, in, I mean, in a way, right? Um, Alma's an assassin, or she's part of the order now. I mean, I was going to say more, but she's not an assassin. She's going back to stop an assassination or a murder. She's going back to prevent a death from happening instead of being the one who does it. Yes, and they were just using uh, whatever his name was to go back and find out where the artifact was. Well, that, and I've never actually played an Assassin's Creed game. What? Oh, yeah, you know, there's like 12 of them out now, and every time I go on to Steam or something to think, maybe I should get into Assassin's Creed, and they go, well, do you want to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey? Do you want to play Assassin's Creed 2? Blah, 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 and I'm sitting there going, where do I start? Where do I start with this stupid series? I I hate to say it, man. It's I can start. Get us I could play of... any. I could play any of them, and it'll be the same thing. Yeah, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for saying that. But is like... this like Call of? Is this like Call of Duty? I can pick up any of they're them, and all... it'll be the same game. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all AAA titles, and they're all the same game. You know what? You played God of War. Yes. You played Assassin's Creed. Oh. So okay, <laughs> that's that's basically how it works. It, Ouch! It's, you, don't worry about it, man. Okay, let's, let's carry right. forward. <laughs> stick with Stalker. Okay. <laughs> Stalker's better. If I want to stick with something that's the same thing every you know time, what? I'll just stick with Battlefield. Battlefield, yeah. Or <laughs> Met- Metro Exodus, if you want to get a little risky. Right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. still very similar, but uh, 
one of the nice things when it comes to Alma just kind of tapping into genetic memory or whatever is that in addition to seeing what happens in other people's life and her understanding coming to terms with Sam's actions and kind of coming up with an explanation for herself to be somewhat forgiving to him. I mean, we also get to see stuff that she had happen in her own life, like watching her parents fight and her maybe not necessarily understanding them because she hadn't gotten her implant yet, so she couldn't actually hear. Uh, and then uh, when she does get to hear... And she doesn't, and she, and she gets to, what, what, well, she, she doesn't stay at the, the school for the, um, for the, for the hearing impaired anymore. And she goes to a, a, I guess, a a regular school. Cameron, you can say it. You can say school of the deaf. It's not a derogatory term. Oh. It's, it's totally allowed. I, this is not, this is not the aboriginals or savages. This is, (laughs) it's, it's totally cool, man. It's on the signs. Like you you see the, you see the signs of the kid, like with the ball running across the road and underneath it says death to let you know that they can't hear. So that way you're not like honking your horn going, oh, stop, I'm going. (laughs) They can't hear you. Like, it's not like, it's not like you get the guy who's driving by going, "Oh, oh, oh, deaf, oh, deaf kids. How funny you know, making fun of them because they can't hear it. That That's not the case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So when she, you know, has to leave the school for the deaf, although that one just like kind of shows that, you know, Alma can be kind of mean because the her one friend from there, when she's leaving, her friend says, I don't want you to go. And she says, I love you. And Alma just like ignores that. Like, I understand they're kids, but, you know, it's still kind of nice to at least acknowledge when someone says something like that. Even if it's just as, like, I like spending time with you, it's still kind of nice to acknowledge that and just be like, yes, I'm going to miss you too. But she doesn't do that. She's just like, I gotta go. She gets it from her mom. That That's a wasp mom influence thing, you know. What, not acknowledging other people's feelings? Yes, absolutely. Because, again, they don't matter. Oh. Only I do. Yeah. So I she does, she true. absolutely gets the traits. And I mean, like, I'm not saying that Alma's a wasp parent or would become a wasp parent. Mm-hmm. But she still has to deal with that trauma of dealing with one. Because you look up to your parents and you kind of want to be them. Because as a kid, you think that they know everything, they can do everything, they're... They are everything. As far as you're concerned, they are basically a god. Or they're each gods. Now, you want to idolize that and become that. Instinctually. So, she probably took after her mom in that case. Well, that is a little too bad. But, I mean, we do also... absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. (laughs) But at the same time, we also do see that she is trying to come away from that... You know, with the like when we think about how she talks to the kids and how she doesn't necessarily dumb things down with them, although she does sometimes, you know, shut the kids down if they're saying something silly and she's just kind of like, that's not the point. Keep up with me here. (laughs) Yes, uh, but that's she's not doing it maliciously. She's not doing it because she's the one who has the attention. She's doing it to make sure that they get what's important. Right. 
Yes. She's not doing it for herself. She's doing it for them. Yes. Uh, again, that is not the wasp parent characteristic. Everything is for yourself. Mm-hmm. The family must be pristine, so that way my image is pristine. Mm-hmm. I mean, take a look at Encanto. <laughs> again, the grandmother was a wasp parent. She had her own traumatic reasons for why that was. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I love that they show that, how generational trauma affects the whole family, not just the, the one person and the person it's torturing. It goes throughout the entire family. And uh, they did an awesome job with that. Mm-hmm. And like this show, again, is just kind of showing that that's a thing. I would almost argue that you could write a solid essay on this entire show, not being just about schizophrenia, but dealing with uh, with wasp family issues, like they have enough material in here to, that you could write a good paper about that. And that's the thing that, again, is one of the reasons why I love the show is because of the depth. And it, it, and it's not like this is the first time we've seen something like this because, again, this is from the same people that brought us BoJack Horseman. Oh my god! So. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> like, I 100% forgot about that. Because Bojack Horseman, again, yes, it goes through everything. Talking about, like, Sarah Lynn's mother was a wasp mom. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, like, sleeping with the agents and that to, like, get her in. And she had the one guy that was, like, a photographer that was actually, like, taking pictures of her and that. Well, and that's the one who becomes her stepfather, too. Because yeah, that's then... the Because that's the bear. And that's what the whole... That's why she knows about like what bear fur tastes like and things like. All right, I can't remember if yeah, it was that what was it... that was exactly yeah. it. She like tastes the fur and was like, "Oh, this is bear fur. How do you mm-hmm. know? You know, my dad, my stepdad was a bear." Yeah, and everything went quiet because they realized. Oh, oh some of the things show. about some of the things about Sarah Lynn are starting <laughs> to make a little bit more sense now. I, I, I mean, I mean, within the context of everyone else in the room. Yes. <laughs> Everyone who's watching hopefully was had already kind of clued in by that point, and then it's just like, oh, yep, okay, that's I, another check mark. I really want to watch the show again with with my girlfriend because she loved BoJack Horseman, but she kind of refuses to watch it again. Really? Oh, yeah. is that because she's afraid of what she's gonna think on watching earlier seasons? No, 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 that's not the case at all. Really? It's because she doesn't want to see Sarah Lynn die again. Oh yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> She liked Sarah Lynn so much. I think it's because she kind of sees Sarah Lynn as sort of like her sister mm, who's been yeah, having like I, a really rough time yep. with everything. Mm, and she I feels totally that like that. she doesn't want to see that happen to her sister. Yeah. So because of that, she doesn't really want to rewatch it. She it's forcing her to live something that she's afraid she has to see in real life. Mm-hmm. Bojack Horseman to me, especially now that it's done, and it, you know, things definitely changed quite a bit in the final few couple seasons. I remember a lot of people having hesitation and wanting to go back and rewatch it from the beginning because they think, well, now that I know how much of a shitty person Bojack really turns into, am I going to enjoy it the same when I watch it back through there? And then I sit there and I go, okay, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Bojack's always been a shitty person. Just because we get more reasons to understand how he became that way doesn't detract from the fact that he's a shitty person and the things he does are not good. 
I mean, it's only, what, five episodes in when the first F-bomb is dropped from uh, from Herb? When he goes to apologize to him and he says, I don't accept your apology. And then he tells him to get the F out of his house. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like with uh, one of the shows I've seen, uh, Infinity Train. Infinity Train? What's, yeah. What's that? I I don't think I've heard of that. We're putting that on the list. Uh, okay. That is an amazing show, and I know you're going to love it. Uh, it's a Cartoon Network original, and it takes place on a train that has infinite carts that people show up on to uh, work through their issues that they have. Hmm. And it's really cool. That's all I'm going to say about it, and we'll get on that. <laughs> Okay, we'll add but, that to uh, the list. Um, I guess I won't say what I'm going to say then, because I might just spoil something for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we do still have some important things to talk about, you know, with this. I mean, I guess I have one final thing to, to talk about when it comes to Camilla, the mom. And it's, again, when she's going back and she's looking at, you know, past stuff, um, I feel that it's kind of more sort of separating the difference between how her dad was and how her mom was. And so we see when they're on a family vacation and they're down in the Mayan Peninsula or somewhere and they're just walking around and their dad's like, oh, hey, look at that. We have found uh, uh, El Baño del Rey, the bath of the kings or something like that. I, I think that's what it was called. I might be recalling incorrectly and I apologize for that. Um <laughs> And so he's like, okay, so when our great, 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 great grandmother, father would have been using this pool, what would he have been using it for? And of course, the mom's like, we're, we're Spanish, you know, we're, we're Spanish. And he's like, well, no, we have some indigenous ancestry in there. And it's like, yes, but people don't like natives. So, you know, we're Spanish. But then he's like, anyways, you know, whatever, moving on from that what do you think they would have used this for? And it's like, well, what's wrong with it just being a bath? Nothing's wrong with it being a bath. Baths are fun. Okay, but, you know, maybe it's a reflecting pool or Alma's, you know, whole thing about, you know, you, you go under the water and you start washing the clothes and then you transport into another world. And he's like, sure, like, you know, something like that. And mom's just like, or it's a bath. And that's it. And that's fine. And dad's just like, really? Really? So... <laughs> This is uh this is that thing that I found that like this is probably that point where we have one parent who was like totally into things like D and D, and then the other parent was like I don't know they came from like the super Catholic background or like something super like that. super like, Catholic like they went like to damn mass. near cultish oh, and they're yeah. like you know like imagination is the devil's work. Mm. So, my question is, why are they together? <laughs> like, Honestly, I don't. I, I don't. I think Alma's only like ten or eleven or something when he passes away. So you know, they don't stay together that much longer after the fact. <laughs> relatively, Holy talk about dark humor. <laughs> relatively speaking, <laughs> they end up getting the divorce they've always wanted. <laughs> in a roundabout till death do us part in you a... know what that was it that's that that makes sense what camilla killed him hmm not the uh 
not the guy from like the private enterprise who shows up and they're all like, we're not going to give you the research. And he's like, sorry, but this is Dude, not how this ends. Red herring. Mm. It fits too well. Hmm. We're going to have to see when we, when we get onto this. However, I also know that there is one other important thing that we need to talk about, which of course is the end of this episode. And, Alma has come to accept what Sam did and all the kind of really gross things that happened because of the subterfuge. But then she comes out of the bathroom and she's just like, no, you're right. I'm going to ignore what my dad said about relationships are hard, so just don't do them. And I'm instead going to fight for this relationship because I do actually still like him. And then she just comes out and she says what you said she shouldn't have done with the psychiatrist. My dead dad is seeing me as a ghost, and he's training me to travel in time so that I can go back and stop him from dying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how can I say this without, like, totally making making it sound like you shouldn't trust psychologists and uh, counselors and all that? (laughs) Get therapy, but also do not believe what they tell you to do. There no, no, no. <laughs> so, from a story standpoint, mm-hmm. this makes sense. I mean, she is a minority, and she's dealing with okay. So, like with the psychiatrist, it's not that she doesn't trust her, but at the same. So, but I mean, it's Sam, right? Exactly. Uh, this is a person that she has a relationship with. She can understand and kind of understands her too. Like, to a point. By all means, sure, she's going through this huge change, and it's scaring the crap out of her. Mm-hmm. But from a narrative standpoint, she needs somebody to help her out with this. Um, so that's a good person remember, to go to. Remember, everybody, this is the story I'm talking about. This is not my what I recommend you do. <laughs> Trained right. professionals are there to help you. Absolutely. They're not there to hurt you. Uh, as this story is portraying and showing me in a, a, that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So in this case, she goes to Sam because she can trust Sam because even when she told Sam to leave, he still stayed for her, which counts for something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's creepy as everything. <laughs> right. But he was still there for her. So he decides to tell her, and I think that was the right thing for her to do. So, because the way I see it is emotionally and mentally, she's trying to climb the stairs with a bunch of small things in her arms, not just her hands, but her arms. She couldn't find something to put them all in to bring them up. And she has to bring them all up. She needs somebody there to be like, hey, look, we don't need to worry about a few of these. I can carry some of these other things for you. Make the load a little bit easier. Now let's go. So I guess my question, which we're probably going to see when we watch episode six, is what do you think Sam should do? Should he trust her or should he trust her enough to go along with it or what? And I mean, this is the big risk that she's taking, right? So I think Sam should not trust her should not trust her no she should not trust her but she should accept her now there's a big difference between those two 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what I'm saying is, by all means, she's coming up and she's saying some things that are pretty strange. I mean, if I walked up to you and I was like, hey, look, goats are like mushrooms. If I shoot a duck, I'm scared of toasters. Seems a little strange. Don't trust me. Mm-hmm. But just like in, uh, just like I've, I've learned, you do have to accept it and at least make them feel accepted because that's the least destructive thing you can do. Um, this was mm-hmm. actually something that we've learned about in uh, first aid back in like 2020, I think was the last time I took my course. Uh, when it comes to mental health things, and if you find somebody who's having like an episode, right, you're supposed to be assuring and accepting. Mm-hmm. You don't trust them. You don't go, oh, everything's fine. Here, take my knife. Cut your steak. Right. No, 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 no. You don't do that. But you say, hey, look, man, I get it. I see where you're standing, and it's scary. And you know what? I'm going to help you through this. Let's talk about this. You don't have to jump off this bridge. Just tell me about it. What's getting you down? Let's talk about this. So I've always kind of had that with people. Uh, Again, I, I have that certain charisma about myself where... People really do open up to me and uh, like small amounts of time too. within half an hour of talking to me. I've had people just be like, you know, they, they've turned around and were like, I've done terrible things. I used to sell drugs, like Mm -hmm. even to kids and that. And like, I've done terrible things. I've walked with gangs. I've like drove people to where they've uh, shot somebody in that. And my response to that is like, yeah, you have done terrible things. Are you still doing them? No, good, because you know why that's wrong, right? Oh, yeah, I know why that's wrong. Yeah, don't go down that path. Be the change you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. you know? And it makes them feel good because then they kind of realize how far they were and where they are now. And it kind of gives you that idea of, you know, like there's that term you, for the road to mental health, you take one step at a time. Yeah. You take one step at a time, you keep going as far as you can, and then. You're going to stop and you're going to go, oh my God, like, it's so hard. I c- can I go forward? And at that point, that's when you turn around and look how far you came. Mm-hmm. And then that reminds you, like, yeah, I've every done... Every step further. Every step further. And I've gone so far, I can keep going and it's going to be okay. Yeah. But yeah, I've had all sorts of... And in, in cases of spiritual things, uh, like, you know, I've, I'm dealing with ghosts or stuff like that. It's, uh, I have not experienced the ghosts that you tell me are in your parents' <laughs> house, but I, I have had strange things happen in houses that I have lived in, so I believe it. Yeah, so... Or I accept it. That's the thing, but, like, one story reminds me of, like, you know, the whole opening up thing is, uh, actually my uncle, he, uh, there was one time he was rolling cigarettes. Uh, he used to make his own cigarettes forget what his wife was doing there this was actually before he this was before he divorced um and he was rolling his cigarettes uh, i don't think he was listening to the radio or anything it was quiet which i can't stand which is why this drives home even more about how it sticks with me mm-hmm. but uh he was there rolling his cigarettes and he heard a voice and that voice was uh go check on your daughter and he 
kind of like looked around, thought about it, and was like, I don't know. So he uh, just had a, a kid a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, and he was like at home watching the kid because it was night. And so he just continued rolling his cigarettes, and about five, ten minutes later, I don't know how long, but after some time, uh, he heard a voice again. Go check on the kid. Go check on your daughter. And he's just like, looks around, kind of did a little bit of a walk of the house, and was like, I swore I heard something, but I don't know. So he went back to rolling his cigarettes. Again, a little moment later, he heard, go check on your daughter now he's really freaked out so he gets up and he goes and checks on his daughter and he actually uh walked in and she was in her crib face down suffocated in the pillow so uh i guess if he had gone the first time then maybe he would have gotten there in time maybe I don't know. He doesn't but know. Who knows? Yeah. So this is one of the things that he's actually like showing me. He was uh, he was recording his life story because he had cancer. He knew it was terminal. He wasn't going to live through it. So he was right. recording everything. And this was one of the things that he showed me. And it's one thing that will always stick with me. I feel how that would probably stick with lots of people because that's just... I don't even know how to... I don't even really know how to react to hearing that. And I have heard some not spooky but similarly just kind of how do you explain it type things exactly how do you really conceptualize that and like you could totally tell that he didn't just make this up because he was sobbing when he told that story on that recording I I feel so, like when you're when you're on your deathbed and you're recalling stories, that's not something that you just make up. No, that's no, not really. I don't I don't know. Like I know a few people in your family, and I don't necessarily feel that there are people. There are probably are people in your family that may want to sensationalize stuff, but ah, uh, this isn't well, my, something. My family's that you, full of people who sensationalize things, but they yeah. do it for the humor. Yeah, yeah. They don't do mm-hmm. it to prove a point or yeah. to, like, tell their story. Exactly. Whereas so. this is just, I don't, uh, you know, this is almost like one of those things that you bring to confession because you have no idea how else to really get it out there. And but you have sense, to tell somebody. In a sense, to bring this back on topic, this is what Alma needs Sam for. Right. Because she is going through a very traumatic time. And this brings us all back onto the whole uh, uh, narrative. Right, with uh, her thing. being an unreliable narrator, right? Yes. This scares her a lot. She's going into territory that very like nobody has ever done before. Mm-hmm. How is she supposed to do this? How can this guy help her? She's He's dead. He failed. How am I supposed to get from this, right? Yeah, it's terrifying. Like It's an interesting way to think about it. We're just saying he's dead, therefore he failed. He did. He absolutely. Right. He was trying to get the research to be where she is. Right. He's yes. dead. He never got there. Right. That this is makes like sense. yeah. In D D terms, I'm gonna say it. This is the tomb of horrors. Mm. Because yeah. in the tomb of horrors it is not a tomb designed for you to live. This is not the tomb of annihilation, you guys. This right. is the tomb yes. of horrors. This yep. is first edition D and D. Yep. 
where the whole point is to make your party suffer. Or no, sorry, sorry, not your party. Make your players suffer through all sorts of things. Like, oh, you walk through this one area where there's a skeleton like laying down, kind of pointing towards. Mm-hmm. You walk through there. Okay, your gender changes and your alignment changes. Just like okay. That, yep. Well, I walk back through and I walk through again. Okay, uh, you lose all of your equipment and your alignment changes and you're back at the start. You're still a girl. You have to come back and walk through it one more time to change into a gr- uh, change back to your regular alignment or right. regular sex. Hmm. It's literally just to torture players. This is like the uh, I think they call it the lock parasite or the lock worm, which is oh the ones le- where if you go to listen at the door, right? Yeah, you, you yeah. listen at the keyhole. It crawls and then into, it your crawls ear, into your and ear, and you have to take a mm-hmm. Constitution save throw yep. to like not die. Yep. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Like this is the whole point. You will suffer for trying to think that you could outplay me at my game. <laughs> yes, but this is um this is again to get back on track. This is Alma trying to um deal with her uh, unreliable narrative and uh she needs him to do so. Yeah. She does. And I mean in this case she perhaps can move away from using like the blackjack game for example by having an actual real person who knows everything that she's going through by having that confidant that means that you at least perhaps have someone i suppose that can help guide you through maybe we mean we won't know until we watch more episodes to find out how this is going to uh unravel exactly we're gonna have to do that then exactly so when we come back the next time when we come back to undone the next time we're going to finish it off with episodes six seven and eight where you're going to find out if alma is able to unlock the secrets of time and space or i don't know (laughs) something like that we'll find out (laughs) if she manages to get to the rock of gibraltar (laughs) we'll see you next time (laughs) have a good one